You're listening to Thulos, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Thulos explores servant leadership as an Orthodox Christian. I'm Holly Benton, your host and executive director of the Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative. My guest today is Katrina Batar, director of Youth Equipped to Serve, otherwise known as YES, a program of Focus North America. Katrina also directs Camp St. Nicholas in Fraser Park, California of the Southern California Deanery. Katrina and I have been working with a small team to develop a new mentoring training program that, yes, we'll be implementing soon, and which we hope to scale to other facets of the church, God willing. Katrina, I am so thrilled to be interviewing you today. Holly, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. If you don't mind, I'd like to ground our conversation today in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We're looking at chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes a body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Katrina, this part in here that says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. With your ministry, Katrina, how do you speak the truth in love? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is how important it is in ministry to model what you wish ideally for everyone um, as someone who is serving and leading. And I think the truth should come from your words, from your life. It's a journey that everyone embarks on together to always seek to speak the truth in love. I think when we speak the truth in love, we can let go of the things that are you know, listed here. Craftiness, human cunning, all of these things that can cloud our motivations in serving our young people. All of these things that can bring in our own agendas and our desire to even maybe make someone in the image of ourselves versus in the image of Christ. I think when we're speaking the truth in love, this is when the body of Christ comes together because everyone is able to be called out and set apart for what they are called to do by the Lord in the community. Speaking the truth in love is being an image of Christ's love, first and foremost, and always for the people you're serving. You know, even with this idea of serving as an image or as an example, what I love about scripture is that the word of God provides the instruction, provides the image, provides the example. So even when we fall short, which we often do, we are reminded to do what the Lord says. Don't do what I do, do what is instructed. And if we are speaking the truth in love, we're speaking God's instruction. So speaking his truth in love, sometimes releasing or just acknowledging that our own image or example of that truth may fall short. Well, I think that's something that you have to embrace is that the words of St. John the Baptist, I must decrease. <laughs> so so he will increase and let go 
of even judging yourself. Like we speak a lot about the judgment of others, but this applies to ourselves as well, that we will never be the perfect <laughs> servant. Like there is one who is perfect and we want to step aside and ask the Lord to help us be who he wants us to be for the people in our care, even to struggle together with them. I think it's good for the people you're serving to know and to see your humanity and, and the things that, again, we're standing alongside them. We're not, you know, just as Jesus said, do as I have done. And like you said, we're going to fall short. That's why we all look to Christ together just to keep walking <laughs> and to look back at him when we look away, to not put ourselves in a place where we're being stuck by our, our failings, but to look to move and grow and learn and evolve through the things that are difficult and through the things we're struggling with. Is there anything else that stands out in this passage that helps guide your ministry as you direct youth equipped to serve? Verse 11 immediately and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Just seeing every person truly and drawing near enough to them that you can call out as someone who is a servant leader. You know, sometimes we don't see in ourselves the things that God has put there and the way uh, that God has equipped each person. I think we need to draw near to each other so that we can become our true selves in relationship. And I think it's where that happens. And youth equipped to serve specifically, it's very important to all of us who lead this ministry that every person finds their way and, and embraces their own vocation and their role in the body of Christ through service to others. And it's truly this experience of service learning where you come to see yourself and learn who you are through an experience of serving where these different parts of you are revealed and guiding that in the process and guiding that in community. And yes, we talk about four different aspects specifically that come together in leading this process. And we often take time to point out in each other and with love and encouragement to say, this is what you offer. This is what I saw in you today. This is how you blessed me today. And I think that's a powerful thing. Tell me more about service learning. What does that mean in Youth Equipped to Serve? Yeah, well, service learning is a concept that's typically used amongst uh, in a learning context, whether it's in a college setting. We use it to design our process that we take our students through from exposure to engaging them in service, to equipping them, then to entrusting them. So this is this E4 service learning process that we use through engaging in meaningfully chosen, very meaningfully chosen service projects. People are able to grow and stretch and have that experience where they feel that good, uncomfortable, <laughs> that's what we call it, that makes us learn about ourselves and about the people in front of us, about the poverty that exists that we don't see, or even the walls that we keep up in our own hearts that keep us from each other. Service learning is a powerful, beautiful tool. See it all over the Bible in many ways, right? Learn by serving and doing, carrying out the commandments. Tell me about some of the most promising outcomes you've seen with the youth and young adults who are engaged in YES. Whenever we discuss how YES has shown up in the lives of people that have come through the program later in their life, they begin working, they begin living, because we never really call our YES leaders or people that have gone through our program alumni. It's just nothing that has ever made sense because somehow they're always 
connected. They're always part of the community, right? There's never this graduation or transition. But I think what most people, you know, in their mid-20s and later 20s that are now not having the time to be as active of a leader in the program as they did before, they would say that they see the concepts and the way of life that we have and yes, show up in their workplace, the way they listen to other people, the way they have compassion, especially, right? Compassion is something we must think about and possess in order to welcome the stranger, to understand even a coworker who is confusing us or is showing up in a way that we don't understand behavior. So I think really what's most beautiful to me and gives me the most peace is that people are coming through our program and gleaning what is meant for them in order to live out their call in their life, right? There's no specific path that they will take, whether it's to a nonprofit or to become a financial advisor or a nurse or whatever, but it's the way they come to interact and love people in the context that they find themselves that I think is the greatest outcome of being stretched in the way that engaging in meaningful transformative service does. Beautiful. It impacts the way you show up, you listen up, you show compassion and interact. Tell our listeners how people can learn more and get involved in Youth Equipped to Serve. Sure. Well, we have a vibrant website with all sorts of tools on there. And I would direct you specifically to the page on our website. It's called Setting Up a Local Initiative. This is our main effort right now. And the local initiative essentially allows local students to come together with YES leaders and create an experience for them where they are exposed to the needs of their own community. So we do all the research. We connect them with organizations and bring people from those organizations on an orientation that we do over Zoom. And we go through lots of meaningful discussions about how do we inquire our own inner peace? How do we bring peace to others? How do we think compassionately? How do we live generously? Why do we serve in the first place? And kind of answer all of these questions of what's happening when we're serving and how do we bring real moments of God's kingdom into this world? And then uh, really exposing them to their own communities. And this is the way we love these opportunities uh, because this is the way we connect with people all over the country and do what we can to empower and equip local servant leaders. So uh, that's the best way to become acquainted with YES is to contact us and we create this experience for you and share in it with you. And then we have this very uh, laid out aftercare process of where we will offer continued support and resources and whatever we can to help you own the work that you feel called to in your own community, because there is more need now than ever amongst the people right next door to us. Just to clarify for our listeners, is there an age limit for people to be involved in Youth Equipped to Serve? Great question. I'm glad you asked that. We begin at the age of 13 with participants, and we'll take anyone up until young adulthood, you know, age of 25. We do trips for college students. We do trips for high school students. And the trip idea is just kind of the experience. Um, Of course, before uh, the pandemic started, we were in cities having weekend service experiences. And now we, in some ways, do what we do a little more intentionally. So we can do this experience that we can now call the local initiative with high school students, college students, or bringing both together. 
be entirely up to you. Fantastic. So now, Katrina, I'm going to bring up the studies and the fear that we often hear in our church that we are losing our children. We're losing our youth and our young adults. We hear this from our terrified parents, from our priests and our bishops, and even from the reputable Barna studies where data shows that nearly two-thirds, 64% in fact, of young people in the United States age 18 to 29 who grew up in the church have now withdrawn from church involvement as an adult after having been once active as a child or a teenager. How do you react to that? How does your ministry react to this? (laughs) I think about this a lot because something has always puzzled me about the way this question is asked and the way, I guess, this issue is approached. I guess I don't have much fear or anxiety or worry about it. I think the things that worry me is not doing my work in an effective way to where young people are more than just participating. And like you said, just because they're active in activities when they're teenagers in programs doesn't mean they've really encountered Christ in their life to embrace him themselves, right? I want young people to be connected, not to a person in the church or a program, but I want them to be connected to Christ. And I think this is what our our work should be, right? That from the time they're young, that we engage them in the work of the church, in the living work of the church, that they come to know God through loving their neighbor, that they come to understand the fullness of the life of the church, not just showing up to youth programs and, and that's enough, right? Because participation does not equal an innermost love and heart for God. Right. This is something that comes in your journey and your experiences and seeing Christ in your home and and having a life of adults around you who welcome you, who allow you to question, who allow you to search, who aren't afraid of your questions, uh, who aren't afraid of your doubts and will journey alongside you. And I think that's where young people come to know Christ and embrace him on their own. And they need to do that at some point. Right. They need to embrace him on their own at some point. And if they're just being kind of dragged along through youth programs without formative conversations, right, not just informative learning, but experiences that form their hearts and wow, and help them see that God is calling them to the world. God trusts them. They can trust him. I can't box up an answer of what that looks like. I can tell you in Youth Equipped to Serve, where it starts is, you know, leaders have to be alongside, not above Young people need to feel like they have ownership and are trusted and they can take responsibility for the work. I think when they're trusted, they come to learn and grow themselves. And when they're mentored, they can learn from their failings and and learn what their gifts are. I think when they're mentored properly, taking them out and allowing them to be the baptized child they are called to be. You know, the Lord calls us into the world as Those of us that have embraced life in the church are baptized into Christ. And that means baptized into his death for the life of the world. Young people need to feel trusted and loved and that we're not afraid of their journey or else we're going to scare them into staying in church and they're never going to know Christ anyway, even though they sit in the pew. I think they tend to be repulsed by the smell of fear. (laughs) So too. I think they know love when they see it and they're attracted to it. I think that's our priority. What would you recommend to parish leaders today as critical steps for investing in our youth and our young adults as emerging leaders, as emerging baptized Christians today? I would say 
take time to examine your motivations. Sometimes we think first about what we need to do and we don't sit and think about why we're doing it. I think that's the first thing is why does it matter? Why do we want our young people to know that they matter and why do we want faith to matter to them? And answer those questions and make sure your motivations are rooted in them knowing Christ and his love. And then I would say, know them, <laughs> build relationships with them, get to know them, find who they are, find out who they are so you can call it out and bring them into the work of the church first locally. And then, you know, universally, <laughs> like when we seek to know people, then we can truly love them and we can meet their needs and then bring them into the needs that they can meet, build relationships. Don't just build programs have intergenerational ministry intentionally, bring the whole body together in a way that doesn't make either generation feel scared or intimidated by the other one, but is intentionally building them towards each other so they can learn together, have purpose and function in the body. This conversation has been really wonderful, especially in light of last week's podcast. I interviewed Father Theodore Dorrance, and the emphasis in investing in emerging leaders really starts with equipping the parents to make them the primary evangelists in their home. And the conversation today was around understanding your own motivations. Why? Why do we want to keep our young people in the church? And to go through that process of examining the motivations first, and then secondly, actually investing them as people, as members of the body of Christ with intentional relationship and ministry. I think that just rounds out a, a really lovely picture of what it means to invest in our young people as emerging Christians, as emerging leaders in our church today. Thank you so much, Katrina, for being with us and so happy to be working with you and love the projects our two ministries are working on together. Any last thoughts from you? The most important thing to remember is never set in stone <laughs> the method or the way or the perfect picture. And, and even our own lives are always evolving and our own commitments to the Lord are being challenged. There isn't an age where that stops. I think we need to let ourselves evolve and then we'll see how essential it is in letting young people as well evolve and have their own journeys. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you, Holly. And people can find your website at yesnorthamerica.org.